Hello and welcome to the iCandy Duo podcast. I'm your host, Naomi Williams. This podcast is brought to you by iCandy World, makers of beautifully British pushchairs for parents across the globe. We're delighted to be joined on the iCandy Duo podcast by Olympic gold medalist and ex-pro cyclist Danny Rowe. Since retiring from cycling, Danny has welcomed her son Ted, so we caught up with her to chat about the transition from athlete to mum. So, um, congratulations on the arrival of your son Ted. I know he he came into the world in in September how uh, how have you been and how's life been post having Ted <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you very much um it's gone so quick I can't believe he's four months next week um it really has flown even though we have kind of all been locked away um I was quite lucky that actually in September it was kind of I guess the best part of the year potentially um so restrictions were a little bit easier so I was lucky that my family could meet him at the time and I and I did get a lot of support and, and help and you know the midwives could still come around which was really nice and just gave me that confidence that all was going well um, and yeah it's just it's just been such an incredible journey so far it was something that I I've wanted for for a long time and yeah he's just incredible he just brings so much happiness to to yeah myself and and family and friends that are, that know us um and yeah it's, it's going really well thank you um learning every day it really is a guessing game with babies how do I make him sleep longer or you know that's normally the the biggest chat from the mums how to get them to sleep through the night but he's doing really really well and yeah like I say just it's just a joy to have Oh, that's fantastic to hear. And I was going to, I mean, normally, yeah, around the four month mark when I'm talking to uh, new mums and dads, they're maybe not quite so glowing, uh, shall we say. <laughs> normally, like you say, I'm so tired. Do you want him for a week? You know, that kind of thing. But also, I mean, for him to arrive in September, you're right. He really did choose the kind of perfect little window of opportunity because in four months, I mean, bless him, in his little lifetime, he's had two lockdowns already. So. I know, I know, exactly. And yeah. It's that whole four month regression, but he doesn't seem to be doing too badly so far. So I'm crossing my fingers. It doesn't just all go to kind of pot next week when he does hit that four months. But I know he's, um, yeah, it's been a, been a funny year to be born into. Um, but in a way, I guess lucky that he has no idea what's going on at this age. I do feel for the mums with, with children that are older, that are in school and having to juggle homeschooling and things like that must be super, super hard. And actually we're just kind of, trying to to look at the positives and that we can just you know make the most of spending so much time with him um so so yeah it's obviously it's tough some days my husband's working from home and you know I can't just call on him to to help me if I need to go to the toilet or have a shower and I can't put him down or he's not having a great day which we all know happens with babies um but yeah you know getting through it as best we can yeah, absolutely. I have to say, I really love your honesty as well and just your openness. And I know it's definitely something that you've carried through for your own on your Instagram channels and also on your on your new blog. Well, I say new, it's, it's been like sort of tr- the blog cataloguing your sort of journey um, throughout because 
you know, on that point of being really open and having those really good conversations with other mums and just being really open and honest about how you're feeling and where you're at, you've actually been really um, expressive through from like even getting pregnant part of that journey and really kind of expressing your fears and or I suppose your apprehensions as well of, you know, that that part of the journey. Um, so, I mean, how did you feel before? you know um you're even writing about that and why you kind of felt the need to like the want to uh, share that side of your journey with with others yeah absolutely I think it's something I've always tried to do be open and honest I think again you know it pops up on Instagram someone puts a you know positive pregnancy test up or you know um a picture of the first scan and, and you don't know the story behind it and I think it can be quite damaging in a way um for a lot of people that it might be taking a longer time or they might be having trouble conceiving. And for us in the big scheme of things, it didn't take that long, but for me, it felt like a lifetime. It was about eight or nine, maybe 10 months um, it took. And I think you just expect it to happen straight away. You know, myself and my husband, both fit and healthy. Um, but actually it could, that could have been a, a slight detriment to me. I was in a calorie deficit for a lot of my cycling career. Um, I didn't have regular periods. I was on the pill for a long time. So again, we'll never get to the bottom of why it did take a little bit longer. Um, but I just wanted to be open and, and honest about the fact that it did and that I, that I did really struggle, you know, month on month when, you know, you're waiting to see, you know, either if you come on your period or you're taking a pregnancy test and it doesn't happen, you know, it would get me really, really down. Um, and then obviously when it did happen, it was actually the 8th of January last year and um, I found out that I was pregnant it was just yeah it was just incredible um but yeah I, I think it's just important that people are open and honest uh, about their journeys because it isn't always super straightforward um when it comes to conception obviously absolutely and I have to say because I mean you know it's, it's like true in history isn't it you only hear about the extraordinary not the ordinary and it always feels a bit like that even with even with pregnancy, people are always going to be like, oh, yeah, it was an absolute cinch or, yeah, oh, my birth was so lovely and easy. Yeah. It's They're almost, but what people don't tell you is that they're the extraordinary. <laughs> These aren't the ordinary stories from other people where, you know, like you say, actually, you know, the, the journey of conceiving isn't always as straightforward for one as it is for, for the other. And I suppose actually using yourself in your past career as an athlete, I, I suppose maybe rightly or wrongly, my preconsumption would be, oh, you'd find it really easy because you're at the top bill of your health. And I think it's really nice that you've shared that, like, look, everyone's journey is so individual, regardless, you know, and like what you've just explained about, you know, what you went through as an athlete may or may not have had an impact. But, you know, obviously... Yeah maybe ongoing stress about each month of you know and then seeing your period come maybe that had an effect it, it's just really nice to kind of maybe someone's reading that and going okay this could still happen for me I just gotta I've just gotta be patient and and talk about it and and get through this because um I mean even just you know again on your blog posts you've been You've been really honest and you know and I know you had quite a, a, a worry didn't you around this sort of 20 week mark with Ted yeah yeah. So what, yes. what what sort of happened with that, you know, and, and also I imagine we were probably in the, in the depths of the COVID restrictions at that point. So I guess you might've been on your own during that whole phase. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, really horrible. Um, probably one of the worst days actually. It was actually on my husband's birthday just to, 
to top things off, it was on the 28th of April. So we were really in the, the wow, real yeah. middle stage of, of this lockdown. I remember going in, I was so excited. I was, you know, buzzing in the morning. You know, we, I tried to make the best of his birthday and we were all really excited. We were both really excited um, to uh, have the scan. We were going to find out the gender as well. And I went in on my own and all, so we're going through all the checks and it was all, you know, all fine and everything looked great. And then the sonographer, I think is what they're called, the person doing the scan said, oh, we've just got two more to check and that's the heart and the lips. Um, but he's just, oh, at the time it wasn't a he, the baby's just wriggling so much. So if you could just go for a little walk, hopefully when we get back, we can just tick these two off and you'll be, you'll be done. So I went for a walk, came back and then there was almost like silence and they were, you know, kept checking and checking. And then um, the sonographer called the, his colleague over and we're, we're looking at something else. And then they just basically explained to me that they think they, they couldn't quite see clearly, but they think they saw a VSD, which is essentially a, a hole in the heart. And it was just really scary. I was then referred to fetal medicine. Um, and I was in the hospital for three hours and my husband was waiting outside in the car. Oh, God. And I just remember sending him, I probably shouldn't have done it, but, uh, you know, a message to say, oh, they think they found a hole in his heart. And it must have been horrendous for him sat outside. And yes, yeah, so I had to go to a different um, sort of ward to then book in a, a fetal medicine appointment, to have a cardio, cardio appointment, to have a, a proper scan on the heart. Um, and it was just, yeah, that was a week later. So that week was just so scary for me. You know, you just expect everything to be okay. And thankfully the outcome was that it wasn't a VSD. Um, although VSDs are quite common and generally they do close on their own. Um, but yeah, it, it wasn't, but that week was just horrendous to be totally honest. I just felt sick from, you know, the moment I left that hospital and thought, you know, my baby might not be 100% healthy to that, you know, the cardiac scan where they they looked into the heart in more depth. It was just, yeah, really scary times. And to have to be in doing that all on my own was, wasn't very nice at all. Oh, and, and I'm sure there are probably so many listeners that have had like similar experiences, you know, with a partner in the car, they're in there on their own and just going, I, how do I even kind of factor this in? You know, and he's probably feeling quite powerless as well. Like, you know, there's nothing you can do if that had been the case. You just have to sort of see how Taylor yep. would have developed and just, you know, like you say, I mean, you certainly learn something when you hear about these things that VSD, it, it can actually heal itself, you know, on its own. I had no idea about that. So it sounds terrifying, but actually there could have been a positive outcome either way, you know, as, as you know, when you were about to have, have him, you know, um, in September. But my goodness, what a journey. And again, I think it's, it's so important for, you know, from families, you know, from, I say families, but like from one family to another family, but also women to women and dads to dads to have these conversations with each other because, um, yeah, it must've been a terrifying thing, but also to know that you can get through it, even in such a weird, weird time like that. You're having to text your, your poor husband in the car. I mean, um, what was going through your head throughout that? I suppose it must've been, um, yeah, just how, how you go through the rest of that week until you find out, I'm sure. 
Yeah, exactly that. I just, yeah, just, you almost just, I just felt sick. I was just really, really worried. Um, but again, because I spoke out about it and I think I do kind of wear my heart on my sleeve. I remember telling one of my best friends and she said, oh yeah, my, my son was born with a, a VSD. It's, he's absolutely fine. And, you know, just have to have a few checks along the way um, to hope that it, it uh, closes up on its own. And if not, it's like a small procedure. And I think the more you talk about things, you know, you almost share that problem. And, and thankfully, you know, it just took a little bit of that worry away than if I just kept it to myself and, you know, looked on Google and oh, probably found yeah. the worst, you know, the worst possible outcome um, ever. But yeah, it was just not very nice at the time, especially when I was in hospital for those few hours, you know, just sort of walking around on my own and being passed almost from pillar to post, although you know, obviously the healthcare has been absolutely incredible. Um, you know, just to have Matt there, my husband just would have would have been so much easier just to be able to talk through and process it a bit better with someone else rather than having to, you know, take it all on personally until I got outside and, and could talk about it then. And also taking in that information sometimes, you know, in those situations, you, you can't really think straight. And actually it's important to be able to, you know, listen at times like that. So to have him there would have just been a lot easier. But yeah, that obviously wasn't an option at the time. And, and thankfully, again, feel very lucky that it wasn't it wasn't actually a VSD or, or an issue and he's he's healthy. So, um, yeah, just feel very, very grateful. Um, and blessed that 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 was the outcome. Yeah, I know that is it's such fantastic news. But also, isn't it funny when your friend was like, "Oh yeah," like, and you yeah. know, it's it's almost like, "Wow, this is," you know, these conversations do need to exist out loud because she probably went through exactly the same thing and felt that she didn't really talk about it and had been through the whole process, come out the other side and was kind of, you know, she'd kind of dealt with it and was able to give you such great advice or at least a bit a bit of comfort and just an ear to talk to about it that knew about it. Um, so it's really great and really commendable that you've been so open throughout. Um, and also, which I think is, it's great. Obviously you've got a really nice balance on your, on the blog where obviously you're just being really open and you're really kind of expressing about your journey and which is great, but also you've got the, I mean, it's called from athlete to mum. So it's, it's really nice that it's kind of cataloging that side of your of your journey as well you know you've gone from a very very active life pre pre-baby pre-conceiving um and obviously that's a it's a big part of your life of, and then like how you've kind of you know looked at your fitness and your exercises and how you've kind of incorporated that um I mean how did you find that how did you find that whole process and did you have did you find that there were key things that you had to adapt um within your fitness routine when you became pregnant yeah, definitely. Um, but adapt is kind of what I did. And I was really, really um, keen on staying as, as fit and active throughout pregnancy as I could. Um, and it was tough, actually, because there wasn't much information out there. And it's something I've been quite open about, again, um, while I was pregnant and and since with, with various blogs and, and different things, talking to midwives, um, because I think it's so important for women to stay active if obviously their health um, and they feel okay to do so. Um, I was very lucky. I had quite a lot of nausea um, in the first trimester, but again, compared to others, had a very, very straightforward pregnancy in terms of how I felt. Um, so I was lucky and, and really made sure that I exercised most days. Um, obviously, I did have to adapt. I went from 
even when I'd stopped cycling, I was still super, super active. You know, I just, I still be training six days a week, whether that was on the, in the gym, running on the bike. So with pregnancy, I just adapted it. Um, I didn't work as intensely. And obviously when my bump grew, I um, had to make adaptions to my bike to make sure I could still hold the handlebars with the bump. I did a lot of um, indoor bike cycling. And for me personally, I felt safer um, inside. Um, again, every, everyone's different. I know some cyclists who still rode up to the end of their pregnancy um, outside. But for me personally, I decided that I wanted to just keep riding indoors. Um, I obviously we couldn't go to the gym, um, but I just kept doing some sort of strength based exercises at home. And then I ran up to about 20 weeks. I actually suffered quite a lot with pelvic pain. And because I wasn't really used to running before I even got pregnant, um, just from riding a bike so much, I decided that it was just putting too much strain on my body. So stop running. Yeah. Like I said, about 20 weeks, but I just think it really, really helped me throughout pregnancy and throughout lockdown. It gave me structure to my day and it meant that, um, I didn't put on excess, a lot of excess weight, um, which helped the recovery. My labor was absolutely horrendous and really, really long. Um, and again, I think it just helped me have the strength to get through it. It was 36 hours and I was in active labor for, I was, yeah, it was just oh my goodness, that something else. Let me speak just for a moment there. Um, yeah. Honestly, I don't. It, so, oh, wow. Yeah, it just gave me the strength to get through that. And then after the recovery as well, I've, you know, thankfully recovered super quickly and, and got back to exercise. Um, pretty quick. So yeah, a lot of adaptions were made, but yeah, it's part of me and who I am mentally and physically. Um, so beneficial. Um, so it's helped me a lot. Yeah. And I think actually what you were saying, I think as well, that's really important. I think it's probably for many people of varying different sort of um, health statuses as they get pregnant is um, just listening to your body. Like you were saying about running. It's like you just felt actually 20 week mark. I'm going to leave that doesn't feel necessarily the right thing for me uh, yeah is there um was there would you say that's probably good, like one of the key things that you'd kind of probably recommend to other people listening like just listen to your body yeah and I think it definitely tells you um and that was a lot of the a lot of people gave me that advice and you do you just know because I was a bit paranoid about doing too much or going too hard but actually your body will tell you if you are. And that's why I did stop running. And there was, you know, there was a few times when I got on the bike and after five minutes, I thought, actually, do you know what today? I'm not feeling great. I'm going to get off. And that was fine. I think as long as you are listening to your body, you're not overheating, your heart rate isn't going to anywhere near your max, um, then, you know, it's it's just so beneficial um, rather than a hindrance through through your pregnancy. Oh, that's fantastic. And would you say, was there anything else in particular that helped you through the pregnancy and the birth process? Um, I mean, like anything like, did you do any online classes or anything else like that to accompany the exercise? Or was it kind of more of the exercise of the discipline that you felt really helped you through that process? Um, no, I actually read a lot. Um, obviously, we had a lot of time. I did an NCT, um, NCT virtually. That was really, really helpful. And also read quite a lot of books and listen to hypnobirthing um, as well. And I think that really helped me 
I think initially I thought hypnobirthing was, you know, a bit, I don't know, airy-fairy and it really wasn't. It was more about learning what your body's going through so that actually when your contractions do start or you are in labour, you know that this is normal and it's easier to sort of, I guess, process and, and try and get through. So that really, really helped me. I'm just learning about, yeah, what your body goes through um when you when you do give birth um so yeah that was a, a, another thing um that I did when I was pregnant yeah I mean it must be when you think you know literally I'm just looking at the title of your blog again it's kind of really sick stick lights sort of settling in in a way you know from athlete to mum I guess it, it it has been I mean that's it's I mean it's a big situational change for any woman um I mean for you when you were still you know very much a competing athlete the decision to become a mother or thinking about children what how was that decision because I guess it does it always mean you have to retire or did you think oh no actually I, I prefer to retire and then have a family I mean what's how was that situation for you coming around to the idea of having children and timing that if you did yeah for me personally I never wanted to go back to cycling um professionally with a baby or, or after having a having a child um, and I really have so much admiration and respect for people that do. Um, but for me, I wanted to be really satisfied with what I'd achieved in my cycling career and then almost enter this new chapter of my life. I'm the sort of person that tries to put absolutely everything into anything that I do. And I, for me, again, personally, I never wanted to be resentful of for example being up all night and knowing that I had training the next day you know thinking oh I need to sleep because I'm not going to be able to get the most out of my training the next day and I think that was important for me personally just to be able to 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 not have that in the back of my mind oh I need to get back on the bike soon um or yeah just that you have to be so selfish as an athlete. Um, and if you don't have, I guess, the support structure that means that you, um, you know, for example, uh, my friend, Laura Kenny, who's a, who I competed with at the Olympics, her and her husband, Jason, both ride a bike so they can really make it work in terms of looking after their, their little boy. And um, it's the same with Lizzie Dignan, who's a cyclist, her husband, Phil, he retired. So I know he, looks after their little baby a lot when um when when she's training but for us that wasn't going to work because my husband works full time um so it would have been really hard to to sort of juggle that so yeah it was just something that I always wanted I always wanted to have children but I always wanted that to come after my cycling career and also wanted a bit of time between my cycling career and and having a baby just to to do the things that I or we as a couple never ever got to do when I was competing it was you know being an athlete was a full-time job and I wanted to make sure that you know we ticked a few things off the list then before we had a baby and then our lives completely changed again but it's worked out really well for me I still love riding my bike um, but I'm glad that I'm not competing anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Because I I know you guys, I think you started um, a new bespoke cycling coaching company. 
Is that right? And like, could you actually explain a little bit more of what that what that is? I mean, I appreciate Ted is only four months old, so I'm sure you're hopefully <laughs> having a little bit of time off. But um, but as like a sort of joint endeavour, that it sounds cycling will remain in your life, but you've just made it fit now within your new family, which sounds great. I mean, what is the bespoke cycling coaching company? What's that? What's that all about? And how's that? Yeah, going? so it's um, it's called Rowan King. So King's my maiden name. Um, obviously, Row is my um, surname now. Um, Matt, my husband's brother, Luke Rowe, rides for Team Ineos. So he's competed in the last numerous um, Tour de France um, victories that their team have had. And their dad is a a, um, a really experienced coach. And a few years ago, we decided to set the company up. And essentially, we coach anyone all over the world, um, from real beginner to someone who wants to make it as a, a professional cyclist. Uh, we use a virtual um, online training portal and the inputs training plans, and they're all bespoke to that individual, depending on what the you know the goal for that person might be. Whether it is to complete a ten mile bike ride or to compete in a professional bike race, I'm coaching a few. Um, women um, from recreational to, to professional, so full-time cyclists. And yeah, we're all super passionate about about trying to help people get better on a bike. And this year has been amazing to see, um, you know, we've got more clients than we have done. And I think COVID, you know, it's a positive to come out of COVID. People are looking after themselves and want that goal and want that um, accountability um, to be to look look for a coach to you know for them to tell them what what to do on a daily basis to to help them improve so yeah it's fantastic and um it's something that we love doing that's amazing and do you find um that you're that you know there's a natural balance of you know sort of being involved with that side with the company and like you say doing some sort of training whilst also being a mum to ted yeah, it's absolutely perfect, to be honest, because I can, you know, juggle my time and make sure that that my athletes that I look after have, have got their coaching in for the week. Um, and yeah, it, it's great. It's, you know, I, we respond to, to a lot of the clients or, or athletes that we look after on WhatsApp and we all know how good that is and FaceTime. And because it was, you know, it was, I guess, um, sort of virtual in terms of we don't, meet up with these people anyway um it hasn't really changed how we operate as a business with covid so we've been really really lucky to to be able to to carry on um you know providing the service essentially we also use a an online training platform um cycling platform called zwift which has really taken off this year as well which basically you can attach your bike to an online um, sort of indoor cycling trainer and then ride with anyone who's on the platform at the time. And there's, you know, specific training sessions and rides. And that's another real, really nice social um, thing to do as well. You can chat to people on there. And especially, again, the year we've had, we found that that's been really useful to, to our coaching as well. And that's really something that's taken off for a lot of people to be able to jump on the bike, you know, in the comfort of their own home, actually talk to, to other like-minded people at the same time. That sounds incredible. And like you say, I mean, 
you couldn't have have you couldn't have a better company in this current situation. I think <laughs> uh, that's that's amazing, and it's nice as well that it's for different levels. Because, like you were saying, like cycling was obviously something that you could go to when you were kind of pregnant and going through that, and you, you, it was something that you knew really well and you, you really enjoyed. But even if you're on quite a you know you're quite new but you want to try it because like you say you can be in the comfort of your home you don't have to worry about being on a busy street or you know or anything like that if you're not totally comfortable this is a great way to just to get your your health and your fitness up during pregnancy or even just post-pregnancy and you know moving forward you know forever but also being able to talk to a community of people while you do it that's yeah sounds it's absolutely perfect and like you say I think for a lot of women, especially, um, I think the biggest barrier of getting out onto the road is the worry and the, the safety aspect of it. So that is another, you know, great reason to be able to to ride a bike still from the comfort of your own home, like you just said. And especially with COVID now, you know, it's so important that we are all looking at our own health. And I guess COVID aside, you know, it's so, so important. Um, you know, but it looks like, and I, you know, it's not, not the case obviously in every scenario, but the healthier you are, the more likely you will be able to get through this horrible virus, um, which I've actually had and so is my husband. Um, and it is nasty, but it's just, you know, a great way I think for people to kind of look at themselves and think, right, could I, could I lead a bit of a healthier lifestyle at the moment? And what, how can I do this? Is it getting out for walks at the moment? That's what we do. And so much walking. I did a lot of walking as well in my pregnancy. Or if you are interested in cycling, how can, how can I make it work? Can I do some in, online fitness sessions? Or, you know, there's so much now that's free um, and accessible on, on social media or, you know, YouTube. Or, you know, it's, there really isn't an excuse, I don't think, at this time. Um, to still be able to exercise. I know it's, it is a bit of a weird kind of flip positive, isn't it? Where we've almost, because we've been inside for so long, we've actually, the world has actually adapted and brought the outside in. You know, like, like you say, yeah. where now you can exercise really safely and perfectly well inside. There's loads of resources now. Um, but I have to say, it did make me smile when you were going through, um, like, you know, the volume of people within your direct family who have cycling involved in their life I mean I I mean poor Ted I think you know if he looks at if he doesn't look at a bicycle with absolute hearts in his eyes I don't know what what are you gonna do (laughs) do you know what I really don't mind um to be honest it's it's pretty brutal it's a pretty brutal lifestyle um to be in cycling I'd love for him to find joy in riding a bike but again all I want is for him to be happy and healthy um and yeah, just given the opportunities that I had, you know, to try all sorts, you know, I did absolutely every activity or sport under the sun and, you know, just happened to fall into cycling when British cycling came into my school and, and, and tested us. And I happened to be quite fit from, from all the different activities that I did when I was younger. But yeah, for Ted, I think it's going to be important for, for us that he's super active but if it's not something that he wants to get into then that's also absolutely fine but like you say I think with the amount of bikes that are in our family he's bound to be riding one I, yeah, yeah this is it quite soon not but, quite not quite yet but <laughs> we'll also, let him get walking um, first <laughs> I, I like your attitude you said like a true loving mum there like if it's you know if it's not bikes 
Selavy. You know, it, this is it, exactly. isn't it? They're going to carve their own path and find their own interests. So, but I was going to say, he's going to struggle to see anything else but bikes, uh, probably <laughs> in the house. But, Poor uh, boy. So, um, you know, he's four months old. I know it's, you know, pandemic, everything else is still rolling on. I mean, if you were going to give one piece of advice from your whole experience, so pre, you know, on your journey of conceiving to where you are now, is there anything that you'd say as a, as a piece of advice to anybody listening? to help them get through that period? Um, I would maybe say just try and structure your day at some point, you know, have some sort of structure to your day. And if you can use exercise as part of that, then that's absolutely great. That really helped me, whether it was, like I said, just a walk, um, a run, a cycle, a home workout, a stretch, gave me that structure that I could get up in the morning and I had some sort of purpose or thing to do um, and that was a, a big tick in the box for me. It helped me stay, you know, fit and healthy throughout my pregnancy for my recovery. And even now, you know, I really still try and use, you know, whether it be if Ted goes down for a nap, even if it only lasts 20 minutes, you know, with this four, this four month regression at the moment, I don't know if I'm going to get 10 minutes or an hour out of him, but you know, I guess if I get up in the morning and I can put my gym kit on, you know, as soon as he goes down, even in 20 minutes, you can do something. So yeah, I'd say that would be my biggest piece of advice. It's great for your mental health and your physical health. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I, what I'd say. I think that's great advice. And I think to be honest with you, with kids, without kids, I think everyone can kind of maybe, you could definitely take something away from that, especially as, like we say, roll on lockdown three, hopefully it'll be one of the last ones. But I think just having that yeah, you know, purpose to get up at a particular time and do something, and then you get that kind of sense of achievement in every day. You know, how no matter how little or big it might be, you know, even if it like is it like just a walk around the block and back home again. If that's a if that's a big achievement, then yeah, absolutely. You know, it's a, it's yeah, gets you up, gets you dressed. You know, reason to get out, get some fresh air, and the endorphins as well that it gives you mentally. You know, everyone's struggling at the moment. Um, we've all had good days and bad days where we think, you know, when is this going to end? I think with exercise, it just, you know, this scientifically proven to release endorphins that will make you feel better. So the hardest part generally is getting out the door or, you know, starting. But once you've started and you finish, it will be, you know, so worth it. And that's, I just try and will everyone just to try it, just see how it feels. And I think nine times out of 10, you'd come back and say, wow, actually, I feel so much better for doing it oh my god you're making me want to just get like hang up on the phone right now and go out and go running no but I like it it's really good and I think, motivator. no it's great but I think you do you do need to have that kind of like just do it just get outside and as soon as you start you do feel immediately better and I think it is hard to break the cycle if you've got yourself in a bit of a rut of being at home and not doing anything but it just all starts with one one time doesn't it you just got to one day decide I'm going to get up, I'm going to do it and, you know, and just start off small and build up and yeah, it, it has such a big effect. But um, do you know what? I think we're almost out of time, Danny. So thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. And like I say, I feel so motivated now. Um, it's been brilliant. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us and having a, a, a chat with us today. It's been, it's been absolutely brilliant having, having you on. Oh, thanks for having me. To find out more information about the topics covered in today's podcast, please go to the iCandy blog page 
on www.icandyworld.com forward slash IC Life, where you'll find all the relevant links. iCandy is a proud supporter of Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital charity. COVID-19 means the hospital is facing new challenges and needs more support than ever to continue the life-changing care and research for seriously ill children. If you are able to support GOSH, please head to our dedicated fundraising page on www.justgiving.com forward slash company forward slash iCandy. <laughs>